The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Storytelling inspires, engages, and moves people to action. It's a superpower that anyone can learn. Welcome to Story Powered with your host, Leanne Pico. Stories can hold you back, and stories can move you forward. Let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level. Now, here is Leanne Pico. Hello, and welcome to Story Powered. My name is Leanne Pico, and I'm a story coach and the owner of a business called Very Good Stories. I'm so delighted you could be here with me today. I'm excited about this show and about being on the Voice America Business Channel. This is our very first show, and I want to thank you for listening. Now, you may be wondering, why a whole radio show dedicated to business storytelling? Well, story impacts every part of our lives. We have internal stories we tell ourselves, stories we tell our kids, and stories we believe about other people. However, what we often don't recognize is that our businesses are full of story, whether we've created them or not. On this show, we'll be talking with experts from around the world who will help us get a better understanding of story as it relates to business. We'll also be helping you to grow your storytelling superpower as we show you every week how to tell better stories. Storytelling is truly a superpower. It engages people, creates an emotional connection, and it moves them to action. And the best part is storytelling is a superpower anyone can learn. We already tell stories. It's just a case of honing our skills. So today's show is called The Power of Story, and I look forward to introducing you to our amazing guest shortly. But first, I'd like to introduce the story of the week. Every week on Story Powered, I'll share a story that might be from my life experience or from that of another business leader or from a business that's doing story really well. This week, I'd like to tell you how and when I first understood the power of story. So I was 20 years old, and I was at university in Kingston, Ontario, in Canada, and I had wanted to be a defense lawyer since I was about 12 years old and decided to do some volunteering in the field. I became a prison release worker for the John Howard Society and was assigned to run a skills building group every week in the Kingston Penitentiary, or the Kingston Pen as it was better known, for prisoners who were getting ready for release. I can still remember the first time I walked through that big cast iron gate. The prison was built in the 1830s. You can imagine the size and the strength of that cast iron. I can hear the clang as it it closed heavily behind me. There was no getting out unless someone else let me out. It was a pretty scary thought, but I was pretty fearless too. Aren't we all at 20? <laughs> and very committed. I was very committed to the idea of rehabilitation for prisoners. So I kept moving forward rather than begging to be let out. In the group I was working with were men who had committed a range of crimes, many of them very serious. Don't tell my mum. Uh, the Kingston Pen was a maximum security prison housing some of the biggest criminals in Canada. I particularly remember Martin. He was 32 and had been in and out of prison since he was 17. His last conviction was for armed robbery. Martin told me that he was pretty nervous about, not, about getting out of prison. He said the last time he'd been out was when he was 28, and it did not go well at all. 
He didn't really know anyone where he was living, so in the evenings he'd go to a local bar to hang out and try and meet some new people. Every time he went, Martin became very uncomfortable. He did often chat with people, but soon realized that he did not know what to talk to them about. Anyone his age had been to school and were now working or had been doing a job for quite some time. Some had kids, others were getting married. Every conversation stalled when the other person asked Martin, what do you do? Now, anyone who started a business can probably relate to Martin's discomfort in that moment. I know I can. What do you say? How much do you say? Will they even be interested? Martin often found himself shutting the conversation down and leaving, feeling lonelier than ever. In the end, he decided to commit another crime to get back into prison, where he felt more comfortable and better understood. What I realized was that Martin didn't have a story. He didn't have a response to the what do you do question, and he froze. He could tell people the facts of what had happened in his life, but he was afraid of being judged and that they might be afraid of him. He needed a story that would engage people, make them feel safe in his company while still being truthful to who he was and where he'd been. So I worked with Martin to craft his story. We spent time talking through what he could say and what the potential impact might be on who he was talking to, whether it was a potential employer or a colleague or a stranger in a bar. We also talked about who he wanted in his life and finding people that would accept him for who he'd been and who he was now trying to be. I don't know what happened to Martin after that, but I do know that he went back out into the world feeling more prepared and more confident in his ability to connect with others because he had a story. I really hope he was able to find some friends and get on with his life outside prison. We all have moments like Martin where we feel uncertain about what we are saying about ourselves or about our business, and we worry about being judged. Having a story does make all the difference. And don't just take my word from it, for it. I'm now going to introduce you to a woman who will tell you all about how important story is in business and how it can shape your future success. I'm going to introduce you to Helen Kuiper, who is a self-defined story junkie and creative facilitator. Her business is 24-7 storytelling, and she's located in the Netherlands, but can often be found in faraway places. Helen is a born storyteller and won't let a moment pass to tell a great story. Growing up in the Netherlands with a Dutch farmer... A Dutch farmer, a Dutch father, an Irish mother, Helen is able to combine the best of both worlds, the power of a great story with the relevant facts. As a story junkie, Helen travels the world looking for stories and new ways to share them. She spent six months at the largest museum for modern art in the world, Tate Modern in London. Helen specializes in facilitating large-scale interventions. The more complicated the problem, the larger the group, the more she's in her element. She excels at making the complex understandable, the simple profound, and the way forward clear. Besides running brainstorm sessions, Helen also trains facilitators. Her biggest dream is to become an international peace negotiator. Helen's head is full of stories, and with a memory like an elephant, she will always find the right one to share with you. So if you want to know what you can learn from the Tate, the biggest Japanese artist at the moment, or an Indian truck driver, ask Helen. Now, Helen and I have had a few chats in the last year, and I absolutely love talking to her. We have talked for hours about story. I am so happy to have her as my first guest, as I've learned so much from her already, and I know you will too. Helen, welcome to Story Powered. Hello, Leanne. Thank you very much for having me. It's actually a pleasure to be uh, online with you um, for this it's- hour. And um, you weren't very far off with the farmer comment, but my mother <laughs> actually comes from the farm and not my Dutch father. Oh, that would have been so great. <laughs> 
Thanks so much for coming. I was laughing when you when you said the Dutch farmer. I thought, no, it's the Irish. That's the farmer. The Irish (laughs) farmer. That's brilliant. Thanks, Helen. That's so fun. So, apologies to your mom and your dad. I I should have got that right. (laughs) (laughs) So, Helen. (laughs) Well, thanks again for joining me on my very first show. I'm so happy you can be here. Um, So, we're going to start with the first question, which is, "What's your story? Tell us more about you and how you got to where you are now." Of course, uh, that's a very broad question, you know, what's your story, um, uh, especially because there's so many, but we'll get into that probably later. But um, I think you mentioned the most important part of my story anyway, and that is that um, I want to become an international peace negotiator. And even since I was a little kid, uh, when you said that you wanted to be a defense lawyer, uh, I also wanted to go to law school, and I ended up going to law school. I have, I have a degree in law, and but when I was in law school, I quickly discovered that, you know, being right and having all the right data and facts and stuff wasn't enough. And uh, another part of what I wanted to wanted to achieve is to learn other skills like um, leadership and leading uh, sessions and those kind of things. So even when I was in law school, I went into facilitation. And first I did all these discussions and all those types of things, learned that nothing gets resolved by discussions. And um, I found a job with the government to learn what it was like to work in a bureaucracy and learn all the the kind of the rules that have to do with working in a government because my biggest goal was to work for the United Nations, still is actually. And um, at some point, they finally gave me my dream job at that place and they let me be an internal facilitator. And what happened was um, I was leading this process um, with my, my boss, the government agency I was working for, they wanted to become the best non-profit uh, workplace. They wanted to be a great workplace for their employees. And there was a list that came out every year um, about, you know, the ranking, basically. And they wanted to be number one the following year. And there was about 30, you know, businesses on the list. And we weren't even on the list. We weren't even on the first 30. But they said, you know, oh, next dear. year we want to be the number one and we really want to work hard to do this. They put together a great team of people and I was in charge of leading their sessions. Like I was helping them to come up with new innovative ideas. We came up with great ideas and we talked to basically almost everybody in the organization. And after about six months, we had all the ideas. We had a plan to implement it. We talked to the middle management. We had talked to so many people. Out of the 1,500 people, about 1,495, they agreed with our, our ideas. And the only thing we basically had to do was go to the management and present a whole plan and we were expecting them to say yes and then to go, you know, full on and implement it. So they walked into, you know, I was standing outside, but the team walked into the management room and they walked out not even five minutes later and they were as white as sheets, to say, and they were absolutely distraught looking almost. And I asked them what happened and they said they shut down every single one of our plans. And they had literally said, we don't recognize anything of what you're saying. We don't understand what you've been doing for six months. And it was, it was horrible. But our actually first reaction was we were very, very mad at our management team. And we said to them, how can you stop something that, you know, almost 1500 people agreed with and there's only five of you. Why would you, why would you stop it? And for about two weeks, uh, that's all we could think. We were angry. We did, we did barely any work. Uh, we called our management team several names that I won't repeat on the radio uh, <laughs> until I woke up one morning. Literally two weeks after it happened, I woke up in the morning and 
I realized that actually it wasn't their fault. It wasn't their management fault. It was my fault. And I hadn't prepared the team properly. We went into that meeting presenting new innovative ideas in a really, really old-fashioned way, I suppose, and all based on facts. We couldn't get them to get any kind of connection to it. And I realized from that moment that if I wanted to, you know, do these processes, handle these complex situations, I'd better learn quickly how to get something new um, implemented. And that starts this whole journey on the power of storytelling and how to use it in a business setting. And, um, and like you said, it's incredibly powerful and it's something that everybody can learn. So I just went about first honing my own storytelling skills. And now I actually do that as a, as a profession, uh, training other people and working with whole organizations or managers to work on uh, their story. And I absolutely love it. Can I just say that? Love it. You totally can say that. And it is so fun to be able to do that with people. But I wanted to come back to your, um, it's what a great story. And it is such a great example of what happens so often to all of us. It's happened to me so many times where I've known I'm right I've created my lovely PowerPoint and I have blasted them with facts and they have not paid attention whatsoever. <laughs> and I'm sure people listening can <laughs> can uh, um, empathize with that. And so it is really important, though, to, to think about the, the idea in business and, and especially when you're talking about employee engagement and creating a business structure that actually involves everyone in um, from the, the top, whether it's a board or a, a management team, all the way to the people who are doing customer service is that not everyone can be right. And so being right well, is, is you can be right the, the, the further you go up, right? I mean, uh, if you have authority, that tends to make you right. So, so it's really interesting about, uh, you know, the idea of not feeling listened. Listened no, to. and the funny thing is, is that you can be as far up on the top and yet being on the top gives you more power basically and more That's influence right. or, however you want to call it. But the simple fact is that being right doesn't mean that people will follow you or even believe you. That's right. That's it does not, not mean buy-in. It's just not the way, you know, it's not the way we were, were, were made, however you want to see it. We, I like to always say to people that, like, when they ask me the question, why is storytelling so important in business, the first thing I say to, say to people always is this, you are not any different in business than you are in the rest of your life, in your personal life. And this idea that you kind of leave your house and then you leave all these emotions and things at the front door and then you go into your business and your profession and you act all professional and then you leave again and when before you walk into the door, you pick up all those emotions again and then you walk into your, your personal life. That's not how we, we are as people. We are equally emotional, both in our personal and in our professional life. The only thing is that sometimes we have a tendency to you know, not use certain emotions in a, in a business setting because they might not be appropriate or something. But it doesn't mean you don't have them. No, and absolutely. I people, and, and I said to people, so you have to understand something that for people, meaning is far more important than fact. And we base all of our decisions on emotions, whether it's in a personal or in a professional setting. It's so true, you know, because I, I often hear people say it's business, it's not personal, you know, and that, that's been going around for, for such a long time. And it's a very, very interesting perspective. And, um, you know, I love that you brought up that the idea of, of leaving the house and, and forgetting about being human as soon as you get to the office. And I think that that's one of the main issues 
that is impacting um, corporate life today is, is, is people feeling like they're not human and they're not treated as human. What do you think? Well, I, I'll give you an example. I mean, I, for people who say, you know, this is business, it's not personal. It's just, you know, it isn't that, it isn't that way. I mean, um, people take their job uh, very, very personal and they find it very, very important. And, you know, yesterday, just yesterday, I'm on, I'm on the phone with uh, my bank, but it's one of the largest banks here in Holland because they have simply, they've replaced, they have lost one of my checks. So one of my clients paid, uh, paid me by check. And um, I sent in this check over three and a half months ago. And they're supposed to pay it within seven days, but they lost it, which can happen. You know, I always say to people, it doesn't matter that you make a mistake. The, qu- the question is, how do you then deal with the mistake that you've made? And then left, literally yesterday, the man told me, you know, this isn't anything personal. But, you know, mm. such is in those kind of things. And I said to him, I said, I'm really, really sorry, but I take it very, very personal. Because that is, it might be a business check, but that's a check that ends up paying for my house, for my parking, for my food. It's very, very personal. Good for and you. anything in business, even when you say, you know, don't take it personally, we take it personally as people. So there's no point in telling that to people because emotionally we just don't respond that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, I, I think that's such a great point, Helen. Now, we're, we're about to head into a break. In, a, in about uh, mm-hmm. 30 seconds time. So um, in terms of the, the next part, we're going to talk in, after the break about the what and the why of storytelling. So we're going to bring Helen back um, and we're going to, you know, really get focused on, we've got a little bit of the why, but we're going to build on that. But we're also going to hear why Helen says that story is more powerful than the truth. So, we will take a break now. My name is Liam Picot, and you're listening to Story Powered on the Voice America Business Channel. If you want to find out more about me and story coaching, you can visit my website at www.verygoodstories.com. And stay tuned to find out about the why and the what and how story is more powerful than the truth. We'll be back in just a second. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Conversations concerning money can be a bit daunting. There can be limitations with building wealth, and in general, people don't want to discuss their money until now. Listen each week for Conversations with Money, featuring Franco Calajuri and Marissa Sipolinski. Our guests make money the conversation piece, how to build and maintain wealth, working with charities, and money and family members. 
Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hello, welcome back to Story Powered with me, your host, Leanne Pico, and my wonderful guest, story junkie, Helen Kuiper. Now, before the break, we were talking about the power of story and about, and Helen was giving us such a great example of how uh, in business we often have, um, we, we want to be right. We, we, have, we have all our facts together. We have all of our arguments together of, of why we should be doing a certain action and it falls flat. And it was, it was a great example of what often happens to us. And, and so we were going to continue talking about story and, and why it's powerful. And Helen has a really great um, viewpoint, which I want to ask you about, Helen, which is tell us why you think that story is more powerful than truth. Well, simply... If you remember, if you can remember this, is that we make all our decisions based on emotions, not on facts. Even those people that will tell you, you know, no, no, I make those lists of pros and cons, and then I end up making my decision based on facts. Even those people don't make their decisions based on facts. They make them on emotion. Because what they'll do is they'll make sure that if their pros end up being longer if they want to do it, or the other way around if they don't want to do it. And what happens in the story is the story has, is very powerful because it conveys an emotion. And it literally brings across that, a particular emotion that, um, that you want to come, uh, have come across. And using that emotion, you can get people to see uh, a different viewpoint or to have uh, a new particular type of experience. You know, if I work with a lot of businesses and um, they're always trying to to change something. I also work for a uh, lot for the government. So behavior has to change or we want people to be more aware of something, all these types of things. Anything that requires a change within a person. And you need to change the emotion of that person before you can get them to do something differently. And the story is simply just more powerful than just facts. It, would it be okay if I gave you some uh, recent examples of that show um, how oh. the story is more powerful than the truth. Yes, please. That'd be great. Okay. Well, look at if you're looking at something that's in the news a lot right now, it's, uh, you know, that har- the horrible disease of Ebola, which is wreaking havoc in parts of, uh, of Africa. One of the main problems that the, um, the people on the ground were, were having, and uh, the uh, medical, the doctors, the nurses, was that there was a story floating around that was saying... Don't go into the hospital. Don't be checked for Ebola. And if you have people in the hospital, get them out. Because what will happen is once you're in the hospital, you will die. These doctors will take you away from your family and you'll never end up being cured. Or you'll never see your family again. And this is wow. a story that was going around in, these, in the, the rural villages, in, in the cities, especially in Sierra Leone, where it's the, the number of infectees is the highest. And it was literally blocking the work of the doctors. I mean, it even went so far as that some of the doctors that went to a local village, they actually got killed because the people there were so afraid of them because they, they really thought, you know, if these doctors come, they take me away, I'm going to be taken from my family, I'm going to die. 
So the truth was that these doctors were there to help them. They wanted to try to cure them. They wanted to stop the spread of Ebola, to stop the virus. But the story was so incredibly powerful that people believed the story over the truth. That is pretty and, incredible. Uh, wow. Yeah, and in another and another example, which I think is, I actually think is hilarious, and I use this example in a lot of the trainings and the work that I do. We have a Dutch politician, and he's a, he's a right wing politician, and he's um, against anything that has to do with the European Union. Well, a while back, um, we had uh, the European Union ele- elections, and I don't know if you've ever if you've ever seen it, but the, the symbol of the European Union, the flag, is actually a blue flag, and it has twelve gold stars on it. And that's the, the, the flag for the whole union. And uh, what he did was he grabbed one of those flags and he cut out a, a, one of the stars. And he said, you know, this is all a press event. And he said, look, people, I'm taking out the star. I'm taking back the country, Holland, and I'm giving it back to the people away from this all European union. And what I did was I asked this question to everybody that was in my group. And I've literally asked this question to over 200 people in the last few months. And I said, can you tell me what do these 12 stars of the flag stand for? And every single person in that group or in those groups said to me, those are the 12 initial countries of the European Union. So the red politician, the rising politician, cut out Holland and gave it back to us. But the truth is, those 12 stars on the flag have absolutely nothing to do with any of the member states of the European Union. <laughs> they, actually represent the, they actually represent the holy number of 12 that's for the 12 months of the year, the 12 you know, zodiac signs, the 12 hours of the day, the 12 hours of the night. It has to do with the magic number 12. And the blue oh, actually geez. comes from um, the, the, the color of Mary blue. So it has nothing to do. So actually what one of the, um, what the right-wing politician did, he, he gave either, you know, the month of January back to us or one of our Leo or something. <laughs> he never gave us back our own country. But the problem is, is that because he did it so convincingly and so dramatically, like he cut out the star and gave it back to us, that everybody, well-educated people, in my classes, in these rooms, are all thinking that he gave us back our own country. Isn't Even that incredible? Not a that, single fact of it wow. is true. That is Amazing. You know, and it, and it's interesting because the two examples that you've given are, are really, you know, very different and quite stark, but in a way quite similar in terms of the creation of a story and, and how it, um, it gets legs. Because the other, you know, we talk about storytelling, but in actual fact, there's other skills such as story listening. And, and we are very good at listening to and remembering stories. And so... Um, you know, often I think when, when we're talking about truth and we bombard people with facts, we forget that, and we've talked about this already, that it's emotional uh, how we connect with information rather than factual. And so we, we forget about the facts. But the fa- the reality of, you know, grabbing onto a star and cutting it out and, and having it so powerfully told and then shared, like it becomes a shared understanding of it. That's pretty yeah, amazing. Even though it's wrong. You know, even though, even though even it's though wrong. It's not Absolutely. Based, yeah. Even though it's not based <laughs> on any facts whatsoever, yeah. and the story then, then still goes out in those things. But what you said is absolutely true. Um, I have absolutely nothing against information. I mean, anybody that knows me, if you ask somebody what's Helen like, they'll probably tell you that I'm an information junkie. 
Right. As you said in my introduction, I have like a memory of an elephant. So I remember so much information, but the actual glue to that information is story. So there's nothing wrong with introducing information, but it's about when do you introduce it, where do you introduce it in the story so that I can remember it. And uh, I work with um, with a graphic recorder. She literally makes, she's live uh, in brainstorm sessions. She kind of records live in, in pictures what's going on in the session. And she always says to me, she tell them if what you're saying isn't clear enough, if I cannot draw it, it isn't clear enough. And that way people don't understand it. And the story, you can draw a story like I can't because I couldn't draw to save my life, but she can. <laughs> Right. That, is, that is a people, really good way to test. I think that's a great way to test your communications and, and whether you're actually telling a story. Because I think sometimes people think they're telling a story when in actual fact they're just stringing together a bunch of facts. A lot of people have actually, uh, like, like we do several things. You know, we, we work one-on-one with people who have to tell important stories, you know, that stand on a podium or address their entire staff uh, or we build collective stories with hundreds of people at the same time. But during our training, one of the most thing, one of the most common mistakes that, that things that happen in the training is that people on the first day uh, they they end up kind of working towards a better version of their previous presentation. Yes, and it just means that they're cutting out certain facts or placing it in a different order and all those kind of things. But a better version of your presentation is not actually a story. Yeah, it's that's just right. that, a better version of your presentation. Yeah. So, what tell us what the elements are of a story. Well, depending on who you ask, you know, there, there, um, there are, there's a list of elements. We tend to work with five elements of the story, which is that there are characters, and those are real people. Uh, those pe- people are on a mission, and when they are in a mission, they run into opponents or obstacles, and in the end, there is a victory. Now, you can also have a defeat or a cliffhanger, but generally speaking, we like to have, uh, as people, we like to have a victory. So you have characters. And the reason for that is this. For people, it's very hard to picture themselves in a certain situation if it's not another person. It's very hard for us to transform ourselves into the kitchen drawer or something, but I can transform myself into somebody else or it'll feel that. The second right. is, is you need a mission because simply put, if what you're doing isn't important enough, then why are you taking up other people's time? But they've done research to this. If you are doing something that is important, we people don't believe that there are no opponents or no obstacles. So literally, if you tell a story that said, these people found something very, very important and they worked hard and they achieved this, we don't believe you. I literally don't believe you. So we want to know, like, when was it difficult? Who was opposing you? How did you overcome the, the, uh, the obstacles? to achieve your victory. And in the end, we tend to like to have a victory because people like to have a positive ending. Um, and if not, you can have a defeat. But generally, then, there's the lesson attached to it. And sometimes you can have a cliffhanger, but you can only have so many cliffhangers in your business. And without That's any true. of, you know, we'll say you need all of those obstacles or those, sorry, those elements to build a, a proper story. Uh, my business partner, who doesn't have as, uh, as good a memory as I have, she'll tell you that. That's not even my opinion. Uh, she always says, well, if you can't remember that, just remember this. Somebody wanted, but so. Four steps, and if you build that into a story, you have a proper story. Right. That's brilliant. That's great. 
Well, and, and it is funny because when I work with my business clients, I always talk to them too about how they help. I mean, how do they help? How have they overcome things? Because it is true. And, you know, we always talk about the Hollywood ending and always, you know, kind of scoff a little bit at it. But there is some truth and, um, and some story to the idea that we, um, we like, like you say, we like a victory, but, but we do like to know how people have overcome things because we identify with the challenge. And so I think that it's such a great, um, structure that you've got there because it is, you know, the pieces around the overcoming. And often that's the meat of the story that's tied to the mission, that's tied to the people. And then the victory is, is kind of that nice Hollywood ending and we all feel good that we got there. But we feel better that we've overcome something. And I, and I think that's similar to businesses. Yes, and this can be quite difficult for businesses as well because, um, you know, business and emotion can be a tricky thing. Right. Because you, want, you have to use emotions in business because that's just human nature. Uh, but you don't want to become over-emotional in certain situations. And I remember uh, my business partner, her name is Lily, she was interviewed for a marketing man- uh, magazine just a little while back, and they asked her, like, what, what, why is storytelling important and all this kind of things? And she said, well, you know, the emotion is important. This is how you use it. And they accused her of being a feminist. They said, are you trying to feminize business again? And right. she said, no, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to bring emotion back into business. I'm, uh, or she said, actually, she said, I'm trying to effectively use emotion in business. And uh, he said, well, you can't, the interviewer literally said, well, you can't expect the CEO to wake up in the morning and go to work and tell him, uh, tell his staff or her staff what kept him or her up that night. And my business partner said, actually, that's exactly what I want them to do. Absolutely. You want your your leaders to show up and say, I know this is difficult because a Hollywood ending makes it kind of seem like everything has to have a perfect ending. And a lot of times in life and business, we don't have that perfect ending. But you want, you, you want to have those emotions. And the reason why we, I would say you like to end on positive is kind of this. If you want to get somebody's attention, give me a negative emotion. Because people respond quicker to a negative emotion than they do to a, a, a positive emotion. It's kind of the flight or flight emotion. Right. However, the the effect that you get from that negative emotion is is generally speaking quite short. So if you want my attention, you tell me something negative or have me do something negative and experience. But if you want me to actually change my behavior, do something, uh, bring, go into action, it needs to be a positive emotion because we can live much longer on a positive emotion, including in business. Absolutely. And, you know, on that point, we're about to go into a break in a, in a, in a couple of minutes. But on that point, um, it is an interesting piece around um, the idea that a CEO isn't going to um, come in the next morning and talk about what's kept them up at night. And and really often one of the biggest um, uh, things that employees complain about is that the, the people at the top don't care. And so, you know, coming in and saying, you know, this kept me up last night and, and telling a little story about um, how they've worked through it and what they're going to do and, and how they need everybody's help to do it, it it's, it's a gripping way to get people to not only understand how much you care about the business and their jobs, but also about um, the results and teamwork, like working together to do it. I mean, it is actual, it's proper leadership to involve people in, in all of the aspects, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, most, the, 
People always talk about like the story, and the story is very important. But the storyteller is even more important. And the most important thing you have as a storyteller is your credibility. Right. It's your authenticity. is It's the thing that people will follow, and that is exactly the same quality that a leader needs. And yes, being that's great, right. I always say to you, you can't be a great leader if you, if you're not also a good storyteller, or equally right. a good story listener. Well, and stories are what make people follow you. So, okay, we're about a minute away from the break, Helen. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's amazing. We've talked about the why and the what already. I can't believe how fast the show is going. Um, but after the break, we're going to get you to talk a bit about the how so that our listeners can, can get a grip on kind of, okay, we've got a bit of story structure. We understand when we should use it. But, you know, sometimes it's hard to figure out what story to tell when. So, um, so as we move into commercial break, I'm going to get you to everybody to hang on. Um, Helen's coming back, and she's going to help us uh, work our way through what she calls a story field. And, and it's a great business tool that will help you figure out when the right time is to, to tell a story and, and who to and, and um, which story to tell. So um, we will be back in a couple of minutes. If you wanted to... Before we go, I would just let you know, if you want to get a hold of Helen and uh, find out more about her and her business, you can contact her on helen at 24-storytelling.com. So it's helen at 247-storytelling.com. So don't go away as we'll be moving back into the how of storytelling and we will have Helen talk us through it so that you'll you'll walk away with a great business tool after today's show. I'm Liam Pico and this is Story Powered. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. If you are in sales, do you repeatedly face the same challenges over and over? Slumping sales, job security worries, trying to get your brand off the ground. It's time to come over to a new way of thinking. It's time for Stand Up, Stand Out, or Stand Down with Malcolm Evans, the Sales Accent Guy. You'll hear what works today to keep you at the top of your sales game and increase your business directly from some of the most respected voices of the sales world. Tune in Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Welcome back. It's Leanne Pico, and I'm talking with Helen Kuiper from 24-7 Storytelling. We're having a great chat about story. We're in our third segment now. Um, we've talked in, just before the break, we were talking about the emotional connection that stories bring and about leaders and how um, stories are imperative for leaders in terms of creating buy-in and connecting with their staff. Um, but whether you're a business owner or a leader or an emerging leader, you can always have um, – you always need some skills around storytelling. And so what we're going to do um, always on Story Power, we're going to do the last part of the show is going to be about the how. Because we can talk about the theory and the why. And, and I, actually, we could talk for hours about that because we just love it. Um, but in order to be helpful to you, we want to give you some of the how. So I've asked Helen to talk to you a little bit about what she calls a story field. And I'm going to ask you, Helen, to tell us what that is and how do, how do people going about creating one? Okay. Well, before I go into that, let me just just say something. Um, you know, storytelling, it's not just for, if you, if you think of the storytelling as just for the leaders in business, it isn't. It's for everybody in every level and whatever type of business that you're doing. Even if you only have, you know, a single business, you know, by yourself or you're a part of a huge organization, I think storytelling is important for all those people. And I absolutely um, agree. Uh, oh, look, yeah, of course, because I don't want people to get the, the, the wrong impression that you have to be this leader and lead, I don't know how many thousands of people, you know, to use this tool of storytelling. But um, over in the last few years, we've trained, uh, trained lots and lots of people on how to practically use storytelling in a business setting. And there are steps that you can take to become a better storyteller. But the first is you have to be able to know where your stories are. And uh, what, we, what we teach people is to create a story field. So literally think of it as almost a treasure map for yourself with clues that you can that you can look to when you are in need of a story. So if you ever want to do this, uh, it's very simple. Grab yourself a piece of paper or do it on uh, you know on your iPad if you're like that, digitally inclined, and uh, write or draw uh, as many places as where you can find story. So for me, if you look at my story field. My story field includes stories uh, from sports because I used to play a lot of sports. Uh, it includes um, stories from modern art because I absolutely love modern art. Cape Modern, for instance, is on it. But I'm also a, a former government worker. I'm, my family's from Ireland, so I have Irish family. Like each of us has family stories of growing up. Your children may have stories. And what I ask you to do in the first step is to literally just write down or draw these places where you could find stories. I had somebody in my training just a few weeks ago who told me she could find great stories while she was in church. So great, put it on the list. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> and what, yeah, and, and I mean, I've had people, I've literally I've had people in training say to me, you know, you, know, you can find great stories or I find great stories. At the cemetery, I said, go for it. Any place that you can find stories. I'm not, I'm not looking for the actual story. I'm looking for the place where you can find stories. For instance, because I have clients all over the world, I tend to spend a lot of time at the airport. So I always have great airport stories or airline stories or flight stories, those kind of things. But they're particular because that's my life. Um, if you don't travel as much, you might have other places where you can find stories. And what you then do, which I always say, is that 
if you have this field lying in front of you, it's like a mental reminder for where all the stories are. And what you're looking to do is to give your brain clues to find the story. So then on the other hand, once you've created this field, make a list for yourself of questions that you get asked a lot. You know, you can do this in a business setting, but if you want to do it privately, that's also fine, but questions that you get asked a lot. In my case, for instance, I always get asked the question, why is storytelling important? I, also, I often get asked, like, what is a creative facilitator and, and what is it that you do? Or why do you want to run a brainstorm session with 300 people and in one room and what does that look like? Those, those questions are typical for my work. You know, for you, it might be, they might ask you, how did you come up with this idea for the radio show or, or, or why do you find stories important? And what Absolutely. I do um, look at the... Sorry, Helen. Sorry, we have a little Sorry. delay here, so we keep interrupting each other. Apologies for that. And and just to just not to um, I just want to intersect that you know I I work with a lot of entrepreneurs that this is the biggest you know the what do you do question as I said in my original story is the biggest question that people deal with. And so part of um, what you're talking about here is is starting to break that down. And to make it into because what do you do? You can say, well, I am a lawyer. Well, I work for the government, but that doesn't, like, you don't, nobody remembers you that way. And it's probably not the way you want to be remembered anyway, because that's such a small part of what you are. You want to be more than that. You want to at least be memorable, especially when you're doing networking. Can you imagine walking into a room full of people and say, well, I am a doctor and there's 20 other doctors in the room. How are they going to remember you? That's right. That's right. So, and you can do this. I mean, questions that you can, that you get asked when you're networking. You know, make a list of those. And what I then ask people to do is say, look at those questions and now look back at your story field. Is there a story there that can answer that question? And then what I really, this is something you can train yourself to do. So for me, I have, you know, at least 20 different stories to answer the question, why is storytelling important? And I keep adding them onto it. But when I need a clue, what I do is, They'll ask me a question. Somebody will ask me a question, a client, and I go through my story field in my mind, and I say, do I have a story from modern art that might be able to answer this question? Do I have a story from my days when I was a semi-professional athlete? Do I have any stories from an airport situation, or do I have client stories that I can use in this particular situation? And I do, this goes really, really quickly. Like, people I'm talking to won't even know that I'm doing this. And then... You know, if you give your mind the right clue, a story will pop out that you can use. And the more experience you get with this, you can do it on the fly because it's something that you're, you're used to doing. But if you're not used to it yet, you can prepare this ahead of time. You know you're going to be asked these questions. Look at your field and see what you can answer. And you'll see that your field is so much bigger than you think it is. A lot of my, my clients and people I work with, they, say, they always say, but I don't have any stories to tell. If you simply start by creating your own story field, you'll instantly see you have hundreds if not thousands of stories that you could tell. Now, in terms of that, Does so that make for any somebody... Sense? Oh, it totally makes sense. It totally okay. makes sense. What I would say in terms of somebody just beginning who's a little bit nervous about storytelling and hasn't really um, done it before... Would would you suggest maybe restricting it to, say, five per category so that they're getting used to, because like you said, it's a training your mind to find them and grab them, um, but it's also the kind of the telling. So it's it's kind of getting confident about the story that you're telling and then having it embedded. So how many would be a good number to start with? 
Well, to, to be honest with that, if I, if I can't answer that question because it isn't about the it isn't about the numbers that you have. You kind of have to look at it this way. Um, that story field, all those stories that are behind those categories, they're kind of diamonds in the rough. And once you're in a particular situation, uh, then you can take one of them out and then you start polishing it. So um, let's say you had to do a business presentation. And you wanted to explain something to your, you know, your coworkers about the importance of using a particular new IT system. You could actually then look back at your story field and say, is there any story that kind of explains why uh, IT is important in this situation or what might happen if we don't use it correctly? And then you literally kind of like pull out that diamond and then you start polishing it. And then you start looking at what's the best way to tell this story. Can I use objects? You know, can I use other examples, those kind of things. But in the story field, it's just about getting yourself looking at your stories in a more structured way than literally making each one of them into a perfect story. You know the story I absolutely love that, why, You know the story that I told in the beginning about why um, I started storytelling, like why that, that whole process started in my brain. Yes. I pull that I pull that story on several occasions, but I tell it differently every time depending on the situation I'm in. So it's almost kind of always a diamond in the rough and then I take it out and I polish it the exact way that I want to use it when I need it. And you know, Helen, sorry to interrupt, but I, I yeah. love the way yeah. that you say that about the diamond in the rough because again we go back to um you know when we when we talk about facts or when we talk about arguments or convincing people, we spend so much time getting exactly the right words that will you know, just get them. And often it doesn't because it's not about the words and it, and, and we're so focused on the right words. And, and so when I work with people around story, I love, um, and I, and I love that diamonds in the rough piece because people get nervous because they think, well, I'm going to write it out and it's going to be perfect. And then I'm going to remember how, and I think, you know, it's really hard to write something out and, and tell it perfectly without reading it. And you don't want to be reading it when you're in front of, so what I always do is I always talk to people about, you know, the, we are, I, whenever I do my workshops, we do a Cinderella thing. I get them to tell Cinderella, and we always talk about how amazing it is that so many people in the room are able to remember one story but tell it differently, but they do know the story. And so I always talk about the, the key themes. Like you get two or three key themes of your story, and then you can tell it differently each time, and you're honing it. You're continually honing it. So, um, you know, I, I I think it's really important to emphasize that piece around it's not going to be perfect. Actually, the last thing you want it to be is perfect. Yeah. Perfect is so incredibly boring. And not only is it, not only is it boring, uh, we don't trust perfect. Right. You know, That's we, a don't good point. Trust, we don't trust people that are too perfect. Uh, we don't trust stories that are too perfect, you know, ideas that are too perfect. We always think if it's too perfect, we always think there's a catch behind it. So you don't, want, right. you don't want the story to be perfect. You want the story to be yours. And for the people, for people who think, you know, you know, who think this is a very scary business, this business of storytelling, we have a, a simple rule and that whatever you're saying has to be true. Yes. So in this, this, is, this is not for everybody. This is our rule, like 24-7 storytelling rule. But if you ask somebody else, they might tell you differently. But we always say the story has to be 100% true. Because as soon as somebody figures out that 1% of your story isn't true, you lose all credibility. But what it also allows you to do is, if it's true, 
and then you know it. You're not making something up. So there's no way for you to, to forget like the whole half of the story because you didn't make it up. And if you just stand there and take a breath, if you know, if you're standing in front of people, just take a breath and speak from yourself and tell a story. Very rarely will you, me- will you mess up. Absolutely. Well, and the making it perfect that gets you into trouble. Exactly. And it, and it is that thing about they don't even know what you were going to say. <laughs> so, so it's that piece again. It's, it's about emotion, but it's also about connection. It's about connecting to the person rather than the words and, and, and the facts that are being thrown. So I just love that. And so, um, we've got a, just got a couple minutes left for the show, Helen. I want to just kind of summarize that for, for everybody, which is, um, you know, as Helen was saying, it's, it's really important to create your story field and to, to pull stories from all walks of life. You've got them all over the place and, um, and really just figure out what questions your, what people are going to ask you, what do they normally ask you? What, what kinds of things do you get stumped by when you're networking or, or even as, you know, you know, a, a great one is if you're going for an interview for a new job, what kind of stories are they likely to ask you? We all know the behavioral questions, the stories are, are primed and ready to answer those. So, so make sure you do a little work on this. And, and then basically what you're going to want to do is just practice. And, and unfortunately, you're going to practice in front of other people. <laughs> so it's not necessarily a case of practicing in the mirror and getting it perfect at all, like we said. It, it's actually um, trying it out and then trying it out again and trying it out again. And you'll hone it and it changes. So that's what creates the connection. So, Helen, I just want to say thank you so much. Um, not only do we know more about the power of story, but we know how to create them. And we know we have a great business tool we can, we can go away and use. I, I really appreciate you coming today and, and sharing that with us. You're very welcome. It was absolutely my pleasure. Okay, we will talk to Helen again soon in February. Um, but I want to say thank you again to Helen Kuiper from 24-7 Storytelling for joining us today on Story Powered. I've really enjoyed our chat, and I'm sure everybody listening has too. If you want to contact Helen to find out more about her and, and what she can offer you, your, your business, email her at helen at 247storytelling.com. Helen at 24-7storytelling.com. You can also check her out on the Smarter Egg Talks. They're kind of like TED Talks in Ireland. They're on the guest page of our site. Um, so next week, we'll be tuned, we would like you to tune in to talk to, we'll be talking to Jonathan Bennett of Laraday Communications about why businesses, what business can learn from the nonprofit sector and how to craft a quality story using creative writing techniques. I want to say thank you so much for coming and, and listening to Story Powered. I'm Leanne Picot. We will be here on the Voice America Business Channel every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. And um, thank you again to Helen for, for, um, being a guest and to you for listening and thanks we will hopefully see you next week with more story thank you for joining us this week for story powered leanne pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next tuesday at 10 a.m pacific time 1 p.m eastern time on the voice america business channel we'll help take your story and your business to the next level 